hate them or love them, you know, that's kind of part of their strategy is like, hey, let's get let's get all these political advisors on our team and make sure that we know how the, you know, these budgets and rules are fined and then how can we properly exploit them? Welcome to Funds That Won, where we dive into some of the world's most renowned investment funds. We'll interview investment managers across the alternative landscape and learn how they built their million and even billion dollar asset management empires. We'll explore teams, structures, strategies, and best practices in launching and running alternative investment funds. All right, what's up, guys? Today, we're going to be talking about the Carlyle Group, uh, one of the biggest, baddest private equity firms out there. Uh, they have about $385 billion under management across a couple of different products. Today, we're going to be talking about their founders, how they started, kind of some of their, their product list, and honestly, some of the headwinds that they faced as they built a multi-billion dollar investment firm. So three founders here, uh, David Rubenstein, William Conway, and Daniel Daniello. Uh, David Rubenstein is probably the most public facing. He's also a regular commentator on Bloomberg. So that's where most people know him. But he, uh, he had a background uh, in politics. He served on Jimmy Carter's uh, administration. He was attorney and then a partner at a prestigious law firm. Uh, William Conaway worked in venture capital and leveraged buyouts, you know, the traditional corporate finance career. And he was the CFO at a defense company before they started the firm. And then final Daniel uh, was a VP of finance at PepsiCo and Marriott Corporation. So kind of like these three random industries, but they had gone to school together. All these guys were between the ages of 38 and 41 when they decided to set up the Carlisle Group. And it was honestly honest, uh, kind of on a whim. They were all, you know, working in their careers and they started consulting kind of on the side, you know, uh, some companies. And they said, well, we should put some money to work with these guys. They started with five million bucks. Wasn't a lot of money. They weren't really serious about or maybe methodical about getting like a big prestigious private equity firm started. Like I said, they, they kind of put five million bucks together and started investing it into some companies they were advising and then they started performing really well and that's when they're like oh dang you know like we can build an awesome business here and so in 1987 they started the carlisle group and it was uh, i don't know if you guys are familiar but that's the year of black monday it was in the middle of a recession and then four years later in 1991 there was another recession uh i've said it before and i'll say it again funds a lot of great funds start out of recessions. They start out of market downturns uh, because there's so many opportunities for, uh, for, uh, for, for managers to create alpha. So at this point in time, uh, private equity really had, was just recently starting to get its legs. Uh, you know, there were obviously several other firms uh, that had started like KKR, um, but they were all single strategy firms. Uh, Car the Carlisle Group was one of the first to launch and very quickly have uh, a multi-strategy or a multi-discipline platform. They started with really two primary disciplines, uh, private equity and private credit. Just to recap on those, private equity is the business of buying stakes in other businesses. Uh, so there's buyouts, right, which is typically where you're purchasing a majority share of a company. And then either turning over management, some sort of financial recapitalization, infusing it with debt, uh, you know, a lot of different strategies to increase the enterprise value and then selling it uh, later. Or growth equity where you come in and you purchase a smaller stake 
and kind of infuse the cap, uh, infuse the company with uh, more capital to grow quickly. So they started uh, primarily on on buyouts. So private credit is really just a fancy term for lending. Uh, it's the business of investing money via debt uh, with fixed terms associated with it, some sort of fixed repayment terms. And this could be lending to businesses, to real assets, to real estate, to infrastructure, like anything. And uh, side note, I'm actually extremely bullish on private credit right now. Uh, you know, with high interest rates, traditional financing is drying up left and right. Um, so it's a great opportunity for private creditors or, you know, a private credit fund to come in and provide financing solutions to uh, companies, businesses, real assets in need of financing. Hey guys, thanks for listening. As you know, we don't run ads on this channel. So if you could really help me out, uh, if this podcast has added any value to you or your business, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. I would appreciate that greatly. Thank you. They are governed by four core principles, uh, financial strength, product diversity, which we talked about, sector experience and then global reach so they are they are quite a, a global firm uh you know all over all over the country and part of that was due to uh an acquisition they made back in 2011. so in 2011 they were managing primarily just their private credit and their private equity vehicles they ran into this fund called alpinvest uh, which was a dutch firm uh, based out of europe and they were managing about $32 billion, and they were operating in the fund of fund space, secondaries, co-investments, and uh, Carlisle came in and they actually made an offer to purchase this other fund, this other asset management company. Um, and so they originally came in and they bought 60% of it up front, and then they bought an additional 40% later, but they you know, brought on an additional $32 billion uh, you know, of assets under management through acquisition. So you can either, you know, we say this all the time, if you're trying to grow, you can either grow by, you know, hard work, you can either become, you know, if they weren't professionals in fund of funds or co-investments or secondaries. So they could either become one, they could build that business, they could partner with somebody in that business, right? Somebody who's maybe done it and then brought it into their firm. Uh, or you can always buy it. <laughs> you can always buy that experience. And so that's that's exactly what they did where they bought that arm. And I think it's really interesting. They actually still today, if you look on their website, uh, the Alpinvest functions as a separate brand altogether. And I think it's part of, you know, building a, you know, an international presence where Alpinvest already had, uh, you know, brand recognition across Europe and Middle East. And so uh, as part of the acquisition, they elected to keep Alpinvest functioning as its own, uh, you know, sort of company brand. Now, it's all the same, right? Carlisle Group owns uh, you know, entirely Alpinvest, but it just functions as a different uh, asset management firm. So uh, today, when you're looking at the Carlisle Group, 82% of its assets are in private credit and uh, private equity strategies. And then 18% is managed, uh, you know, via, you know, kind of their other segment that Alp invests overseas. Okay. Any big firm doesn't go without its headwinds though. Um, you know, so really interesting story here about the Carlisle group as they were getting off the ground in 1998, uh, they kind of made, you know, all these guys were, had affiliations in Washington, you know, they were based out of Washington, DC. That's where David Rubenstein had been working. 
And they started bringing on all of these political advisors onto like anyone that had political financial influence, they targeted them and they brought them onto their boards of advisors, even so much that they got former president uh, George W.H. Uh, Bush to come on as an advisor on their firm in 1998. Uh, uh, George W. Bush had just left the presidency five years earlier. Uh, he left in 1993. And so they started bringing on all these political advisors. Then they started getting all this. There was a lot of controversy around it. You know, they, the firm focuses in a lot of different verticals, but its primary folk, uh, verticals include uh, aerospace, defense, energy, healthcare, tech, and consumer goods. Uh, all of which have, you know, very much a heavy, are, are politically influenced, right? They're, they're heavy discussion topics, they're heavy budget topics. Um, and so, you know, these portfolio companies that the Carlyle Group started picking up, all of a sudden they started winning government contracts more and more. So, you know, in the, in the government side is, you know, you, you'll go out and, you know, the, the government meet, needs a million tanks built. You know, and uh, then they go out and they bid it out to other firms, uh, you know, who's going to develop this, right? Is it, and that's where they go take it over to like SpaceX or Northrop Grumman or NASA or, you know, I don't know all these aerospace companies, but uh, they, they would go out and they would bid these, uh, these contracts. And all of a sudden the Carlisle Group's portfolio companies started like winning everything and uh, for uh, pretty favorable terms. And so, you know, people are starting to say, hey, what, what's going on here? Is this really, you know, is this really kind of a free market or are we are we picking the winners? Hate them or love them. You know, that's kind of part of their strategy is like, hey, let's get let's get all these political advisors on our team and make sure that we know uh, how the, uh, you know, these budgets are uh, and rules are uh, defined. And then how can we properly exploit them? Um, and so, yes, like, I don't know. I kind of sit on the sideline there. I'm like, yeah, that that's just really good strategy. Um, but you can also hate it for them. There's also some other, uh, you know, distaste with the Carlisle group in early two thousands at, as, uh, you know, in light of nine 11, they had actually taken, uh, a few years early, earlier, a lot of bin Laden money. Um, so they were, they had, they had ties with, uh, the Bin Laden family, and uh, they face a lot of a scrutiny over there. So, you know, if any of you guys are starting funds and you're have any political affiliations, uh, it's a very sensitive line, and uh, I would uh, just encourage you to be cautious. You know, but ag again, to their credit, there are three different types of alpha. That it, uh, Russell Fisher uh, writes a he wrote this research paper on the three different types of alpha you can exploit in the private asset space. One, there's informational alpha. Two, there's analytical alpha. And there's behavioral alpha. Informational alpha is really just there's this abundance of information out there, but you have privy information. You are able to like better exploit information about a certain topic. Therefore, you're able to capitalize on that. Uh, secondly, Analytical alpha derives from the fact that, hey, everyone has the same access to information, but we're better at synthesizing it than you. We're better at understanding what parts of the data matter most, and therefore we can make our best investment decisions. And then lastly, behavioral alpha, where, hey, uh, you know, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy, as Warren Buffett always says. 
you know, that, that people are emotional. Investors are emotional, allocators, businesses. And behavioral alpha is the thought that you have a better outlook, right? If everyone thinks that the world's falling apart, but you believe that, you know, semiconductors are the future and, and uh, you know, that's, that's where the entire market is going and it's our entire world is going to be based on them, that would be more of a behavioral alpha uh, uh, outlook. So all, all strategies uh, at their core derive from one of these alpha sets. And, you know, as uh, the Carlisle Group, they really just, uh, you know, capitalized on that first one saying, look, we're going to get the best information in the political landscape that we possibly can by finding ex, uh, you know, uh, experts uh, that are just coming out of industry that know uh, all the lines that are being drawn in the sand and uh, where we should be playing. So I, you know, kind of to their, I honestly kind of give them credit that I, I just think they're brilliant, but there's also a lot of uh, backlash uh, in there as well. So that is a cover on the Carlisle Group. Uh, again, a $385 billion asset management firm. Uh, they, they are not uh, as public, right? You don't, you don't often see the private equity firms or private credit. I don't know. I guess it's not as sexy of a, of a field where they're not on the news all the time. So a lot of people actually don't know who the Carlisle Group is, even though they should, but they're definitely one of the behemoths out there uh, that are, are moving markets. Uh, so to quick recap on today's conversation, three guys, random experience, got together and started a private equity firm with 5 million bucks. You don't need a lot of money. Uh, they honestly, they didn't have an entire you know, full business plan scripted out. They just started consulting firms and they wrote them some checks and they made some money and they're like, wow, we should do this full time. Uh, they built uh, their business through acquisition, which you can do, right? You can either buy it, build it or partner with it. But this business is not easy sailing. There's going to be a lot of headwinds and you just need to learn how to navigate them and uh, do your best to come out on top. Thanks guys, hope you enjoyed today's conversation. All information shared are the sole thoughts and opinions of the author. Do not take any information as legal or financial advice. You should seek a certified accountant and a professional legal team before taking any further action. We are not selling or soliciting a security in any way, shape, or form. This content is for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as financial or legal advice. Clients of Fund Launch or Black Card Capital Partners may maintain positions and securities discussed on this podcast.